It's the end of what's really been a bittersweet EMS week where we've lamented the loss of those that have given all for our profession and also celebrated the fact that we've run headfirst into the storm at the tip of the spear. All that said, there's still legislative issues and hurdles that are in our way. Let's discuss them. I'm Rob Lawrence and this is EMS One Stop. In my last EMS one-stop column, I commented on the legislative to-do list to ensure that EMS receives the federal support it deserves right now as we staff the front lines and perhaps brace ourselves for COVID-19 round two as the nation craves a return to the normality and liberty enjoyed before the lockdown. On May the 15th, 2020, the much-talked-about HEROES Act narrowly passed from the US House of Representatives by a 208 to 199 vote to the Republican-controlled Senate. The HEROES Act proposed $3 trillion in tax cuts and spending to address the negative health and financial impact of COVID-19. This included benefits for public safety, extensions to enhanced unemployment benefits, debt collection relief, direct cash payments to households, and possibly hazard pay. On transfer, it was declared dead on arrival, an unfortunate but often used legislative turn of phrase which signalled the bill had zero chance of success. Where does that leave us? Well, it offers the chance to resuscitate issues that did not make it into the HEROES Act and appeal for common sense in other pieces of legislation where we are being devastated by the small print. The recent amendment to the Public Safety Officer Benefit, PSOB, to add a presumptive cause of COVID-19 in the last 45 days as a qualifier was without doubt a relief for those in the governmental and volunteer arenas. To know that coverage extends up to 45 days after the last shift is a good thing. Sadly, PSOB was simply extended without amending the definitions of what constitutes in EMS terms a member of a rescue squad or ambulance crew. The aforementioned small print identifies that qualified personnel must be from a public agency or a non-profit entity serving the public that is officially authorised or licensed to engage in rescue activity or to provide emergency medical services and engages in rescue activities or provides emergency medical services as part of an official emergency response system. Legal jargon, but let's carry on. Sadly, what is not mentioned or included are those providers from private companies that provide either 911 or inter-facility mobile healthcare. Much of the nation's 911 service is provided by private EMS under contract to localities, and they face the same COVID-19 risks as colleagues from other elements of the pre-hospital response arena. A case in point occurred when Colorado-based EMT Paul Carey died from COVID-19 complications while deployed with the FEMA task force in New York City. Though he was working in the hot zone, exposed to the same risks as any other responder, 
EMT Carey's family will not receive the same benefits as a government or public sector crew member conducting the same task in the same town. Hopefully, we can legislate a change on the definitions, even if only for the duration of the current pandemic. But as it stands, there's a dual standard for the same sacrifice. A second announcement last week came from the Centres for Medicare and Medicaid Services, good old-fashioned CMS. The CMS has implemented a one-year delay in the Ambulance Cost Data Collection Programme. The programme will eventually inform the Medicare Payment Advisory Commission, or MedPAC, which is required to submit a report to Congress on the adequacy of Medicare payment rates for ground ambulance services and geographic variations in the cost of service delivery. The importance of this programme is to, for once and for all, demonstrate the true costs of delivering EMS and doing business. This may, one day, you never know, lead to politicians grasping the thing we all understand, and that is the cost of readiness, which may, eventually, one day, you never know, lead to us all receiving a fair rate for the work delivered. COVID-19 has been the root cause of the reason for delay, but in doing so, we are pushing back our ability to show our true financial worth. To my mind, we should have continued to extract an answer, but we have to go with the flow, as they say. Finally, in the words of Hollywood star John Krasinski, time for some good news, hashtag SGN. Last month, I reported on the efforts of the Professional Ambulance Association of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin EMS Association, the Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin, and the Wisconsin State Fire Chiefs Association. They conducted a frank and candid joint press conference to ask for legislative and regulatory support of mobile healthcare in Wisconsin. The SGN here, the good news announced last Thursday by Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, is that CARES Act funding totaling $100 million is pledged to support providers most at risk for financial hardship during the pandemic, including emergency medical services, home and security-based services, long-term care providers such as skilled nursing facilities and assisted living facilities. That is some good news indeed. I spoke to the Professional Ambulance Association of Wisconsin President Chris Anderson, who is also the Director of Operations of Bell Ambulance in Milwaukee, and he told me on Thursday that we don't know the details yet, but we're hopeful they'll be favourable for us all. That is a great example of the type of lobbying at state level to achieve change for the good and benefit of our business. All in all, it's been a bittersweet EMS week celebrating the profession and the things we have achieved over the last few months amid sadness and disappointment over losses and sacrifices made to help others. We must continue strongly in their name and also continue to advocate in their memory to keep EMS alive in the US. That's been my report and commentary for this week. Of course, I would love to hear your views. Please place them in the comments section of the main article at ems1.com. So you can keep up with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm at Twitter at UKRobL. So I've been Rob Lawrence. Until next time, bye for now.